it's the spooky season, and me and Will are coming to you with the films that you should watch this Halloween. That's right. Recommendations. There are so many horror movies out there, and we're going to try to recommend uh, good ones like The Shining. Yep. And uh, Listen, the, the what's thing. scarier than Steven Soderbergh's Contagion? Ooh. <laughs> Time to watch it this I, holiday I tell season. you, the ultimate horror movie is Congress. <laughs> Am I yeah. right? Are they going to be able to pass that bill? Will the progressives be able to hold the line? You're listening to Michael and Us. That's right. <laughs> so what do you got for me, Will? We're going to each recommend, I don't know, four or five movies each, stuff mm-hmm. that we like, and I'm going to start with a really easy one one that i watched yesterday (laughs) oh yeah it's fresh you're still spine tingling from the experience and this is not a very scary movie but it's one that i've always kind of liked and watching it yesterday i liked it better than i ever have it is not considered one of its director's greatest films but i think maybe we should really reconsider that Mm -hmm. because it's awfully good it's called return to salem's lot from 1987 oh what a winner It is a Larry Cohen film, of course. Devoted listeners to this podcast will have seen his solid gold classics like Q, The Winged Serpent, The Stuff. But this is, yeah, a less well-regarded one. You know, into the 80s, after movies like this were really getting theatrically released, and this one is, I I think it got some theatrical release, but it's direct-to-video, sort of. I feel that Larry Cohen's, like, 80s output, which is, like, late 80s output, not very well-regarded, but companies like Vinegar Syndrome, like Perfect Strangers, that's a great movie, (laughs) and I'm glad that it's back out and people are watching it. It's nice seeing this stuff on Blu-ray. You Mm -hmm. can see, well, I was gonna say you can see how good it looks, but his movies don't look that good. (laughs) But, oh, I love the looks of their films. Oh, yeah. I mean, special effects looks great, I think. What a great movie. It's like, yeah, he doesn't know how to edit. Mm. Uh, Sometimes he He knows how to edit. I will argue against that because he is working in a situation where whatever is in the movie is what he got by the skin of his teeth. You know what? You're right. That scene in God Told Me To when Andy Kaufman is in the parade Oh, so as the good. cop and he yeah. starts firing which apparently he got by actually just going to the parade with Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. and shooting it incredibly edited this one though he had Warner Brothers money come on yeah, this movie did. should be a little better edited but it's than so it weird isn't it yeah. and I think that it's looked down upon because people have a real affinity for the TV version of Salem's Lot which was directed by Toby Hooper right and which was kind of a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. at the time this is the down market sequel that has nothing to do with the original really but what it does have is Michael Moriarty have we done an episode on Michael Moriarty oh we should <laughs> No, because I was like, I think it we would just about be the Larry, Larry Cohen, Cohen episode. episode. Yeah, but we we would have to challenge himself because he acted in other. Right, we like. could talk about report to the commissioner mm-hmm. or um, I don't know what else. Is <laughs> what are the Larry Cohen? Uh, uh, <laughs> bang the drum slowly. He's in too, and it also has the great Samuel Fuller as a vampire hunter. What a duo! Mm-hmm. What a buddy combo! So yeah, Michael Moriarty, the Kinski to Larry Cohen's Herzog. He plays, he's a Mondo filmmaker, basically. He's an ethnographic filmmaker who makes horrific documentaries. But he gets called back to America to care for his wayward son by his ex-wife. So he goes with his son to the small town of Jerusalem's Lot, which he finds is run by a vampire race. And they don't turn him into a vampire because they want him to chronicle their way of life. What a plot. (laughs) I want to watch Return of Salem's Lot right now as you're talking about it. And the whole movie has this bemused comic tone. Yes. It's like kind of consciously not scary. Mm -hmm. It's instead supposed to be kind of funny, but like funny in a way that's like, is this supposed to be funny? It has this almost Twin Peaks feel to it. Mm, Absolutely. And Samuel Fuller shows up as a Nazi hunter who has run out of Nazis, so he's hunting vampires now. He and Moriarty team up. And I love that Moriarty gives like probably his most normal performance in a Larry Cohen Very movie. down key, yeah. But Samuel Fuller is chewing the scenery and having a lot of fun and has that weird musical score. Mm-hmm. And there's just like 
there's an unsettling dreamlike ambiance to the film, but also like quite funny. There's nothing else like this movie. Oh, it's so good. And then you go online and you see it's like four out of 10 on IMDb because all these fans of the original are like, like, well, this isn't a direct sequel to the Toby Hooper version. No, it's like, imagine David Lynch, but kookier. Yeah. It's like a Bazooka Joe comic version (laughs) of a David Lynch movie. It's like, it was Werner Herzog saying, it's like, Larry Cohen, I can't do a Werner Herzog impersonation. It's like a Bazooka Joe versus is, you know, fake Kung Fu currency. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go down the Stephen King alleyway as well of kind of less regarded films based on his work. And I have Silver Bullet. Now, if you're my age, you probably saw this on TBS because for some reason it played all the time. And it's one that's kind of like disregarded, which is crazy to me because I think it's super fun. It stars Corey Haim as a wheelchair bound kid who realizes that somebody in his town is a werewolf. It's based on a very thin book that Stephen King did called Cycle of the Werewolf, where the gimmick was that like the werewolf only comes out every month. And so it was like a calendar book. It was meant to be a calendar. Well, with the full moon, right? Yeah, exactly. And that like it has amazing art in it as well. And the movie version, it's a Dino De Laurentiis production. It was very troubled. Don Coscarelli was supposed to direct and write it. Mm. There was rumors that he directed a few days and got fired. But according to this Blu-ray, that is not the case. And you have such an amazing cast of character actors in this film. You have one of the greatest Gary Busey performances as the kid uncle oh. who like Corey Haim gets on his side to believe there's a werewolf coming after him by the way Gary Busey underrated as an actor I agree very mm-hmm. underrated as an actor and kind of overshadowed by the kook that he became which a lot of people would say that you know after he had a really bad accident yeah and then it kind of followed that but, but it's he, like Klaus Kinski is held in such high regard yeah and, why isn't Gary Busey yeah, and on. like the director actually does a commentary on the on Silver Bullet and he talks about how like all the best moments Gary Busey does were improvised because he actually made a relationship with like Corey Haim and they were friends and Mm. like Corey Haim looked up to Gary Busey. It also has an infamous werewolf design done by Carlo Rambaldi and basically every story I've heard of Carlo Rambaldi doing special effects he just screws them up and they don't work because he did King Kong Mm -hmm. did E.T. which did work but he also did Possession which supposedly like wasn't even what he brought because he didn't have anything and on Psycho the Werewolf the werewolves were not only very complicated like they barely work but also they look like teddy bears so they try to like cut around it but you know what I like it. It's like a big guy on stilts wearing werewolf costume attacking people. It has a bunch of Twin Peaks cast member. It's weirdly violent. And it has people like Lawrence Tierney showing up as well as the bartender in the film. So it's a delight. And even looking at the back of this box, it has a Jay Chatway score. You know, the guy who did all the William Lustig movies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this film undervalued. And just like Return of Salem's Lot, it actually had a release through Scream Factory. So it's as good as it's ever going to look. What else you got for me? Will? Well, I'll bring up one of the most popular Italian horror films, but not necessarily one of the most respected which mm. is lamberto bava's demons oh i love demons i love demons and i'm recommending this one just like give it another look just throw it on you will have a good time mm-hmm. it is a zombie outbreak in a movie theater it is incredibly tacky no socially redeeming value very fatalistic as well <laughs> but just like just so flavorful this mm-hmm. is a movie you can watch it with a whole bunch of friends this is a movie you can watch it alone it's called a party the movie yeah. Oh yeah, so so much good stuff. So many beautiful images. Mm-hmm. So much, in, so many incredible gore effects. Uh, th- yeah, this it's is, a movie that has it all. 
Yeah. Great heavy metal soundtrack, as all the VHS boxes said, which is like, heavy metal soundtrack by Ozzy Osbourne, Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, and you know, there are certain of those Italian directors, like, you know, you go to Dario Argento for the very beautifully choreographed mm. uh, murder scenes. You go to Lucio Fulci for that particular dreamy mood and ambiance. And then you go to this one because you want a big slice of greasy pizza. Yeah, specifically... <laughs> uh lamberto bava's demons don't try to go into the other lamberto bava films because it's a you know diminishing returns <laughs> i have one here that's actually a little bit off the beaten path this is like an art horror film it's actually there's no dialogue in it it's a canadian one and it's called three dead trick-or-treaters it's an anthology film directed by Torin langan sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name and it's like a real moody like no budget piece some of the shorts were stuff he had done before and he kind of put it together into one feature film and it's definitely not one that I recommend you watch with other people because they'll be like, what the heck is this? But it's one that you sit by yourself and you just vibe with it. Mm. And there's really nothing like I it. I love like, that feeling. No dialogue, just kind of like take it in. And the um, Blu-ray company, Videonomicon, which I'm a big fan of, Canadian company, that put out Ryan's Babe and Ogroff the Mad Mutilator. Mm. And uh, Science Craze. Yeah, Science Craze. So they've done excellent work. They actually did a big special edition of the film. It's like commentary. Oh man, if they put it out, that's all I need to hear. Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of fun. What else you got, Will? Well, I'm going to talk about another favorite auteur, Jess Franco, the man who made over 180 films. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about his 1973 film, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. Ooh, isn't this one that's not liked very much? I can't imagine not liking it. This is this is a movie. I, honestly, I would say this is a good entry point Jess Franco movie. I really? Think. I remember it being very weird. Oh, it's very weird. And it's it's got a horror element. Mm. It's got a sex element. Yeah. It's got everything you could want in a Jess Franco movie. And it's 74 minutes, Ooh. folks. Mm. The movie takes place after Dr. Frankenstein's death. There are two characters who are trying to control the fate of his monster. There's Frankenstein's daughter and a wizard named Cagliostro. <laughs> Uh, Wait, there's not an Orloff walking around either? What you need to know is that Frankenstein's monster is played by a, a big beefy guy. He has black jeans and his skin is painted silver. And, <laughs> and there's a bird person walking around too in that movie, isn't there? Correct. <laughs> and there's a weird jazzy score. I mean, it wouldn't be a Jeff Franco without a jazzy score. Uh, there are uh, weird colored lights. There is a flagellation scene that you will always remember. 74 minutes long. I don't know. It's like... There are certain Jess Franco movies, like Female Vampire has the mood, mm. is that mood you linger in. This one has some of that mood, but it also just has like a lot of really fun stuff. And if you think, oh, you know what? I'll make it a Jess Franco double bill. I'll double bill, of course, Roddick writes a Frankenstein with Jess Franco's Dracula. Don't. No, don't do it. Count Dracula, boring. Boring. One of the first ones I ever saw. <laughs> yes. And it's a fun experimental documentary. What does it call this like? Oh, I can't remember. El Vampire. Pier, no, that something like that. It's on the Blu-ray. It is, and it's cool. So uh, if you want to see it, see it with that context. But yeah, I would not reach for Count Dracula. I have a slasher film here, directed by a horror director who doesn't get talked about too much. Jeff Lieberman, the guy who did Mystery Science Theater 3000 classic Squirm, which he was not pleased by of that movie mm. showing up on that uh, program. You know the one with all the worms? You remember I, that one? I know the VHS box very well. And Just Before Dawn is a slasher about a bunch of people that go in the woods and and they just get attacked by some hillbillies. And it's just great. It like lets the characters build. It, there's actual suspense. They're picked off one by one in kind of gruesome ways. And I have to say, it has one of the greatest end kills 
of the final survivor killing a slasher movie character that you will ever see. I've never seen it recreated in any slasher film other than just before dawn. I thought I knew it pretty well, but I watched it with some friends a couple weeks ago and we had a blast watching it. We were like, oh, that's actually like a great movie. Well, I need to recommend at least one movie where comedians are scared by a man in a gorilla suit Mm -hmm. or by some spooks You're using that word comedian very liberally by the people that are in this film. Oh, they're pretty funny. I'm talking about 1954's The Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters. (laughs) Now, in terms of Bowery Boys meeting creatures films, where does this rack up? Because there's a bunch of them, isn't there? Well, I have to say I'm not an expert. I actually actually think they... They met fewer creatures than, for example, Abbott and Costello did. Mm-hmm. Abbott, I mean, they were meeting them left and right in films that were not very good. Well, Abbott and Costello, so Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters, obviously a ripoff, shameless ripoff mm. of those Abbott and Costello Is it a Bodine movies. joint? It is an Edward Burns joint. Mm, now, not familiar with Edward Burns. Oh, you are, because he was one of the Three Stooges' greatest directors. Oh. He directed Brideless Groom. Mm-hmm. He directed the Three Stooges in Orbit. Oh, I need to go get my notes because, like, I... When we did the Three Stooges episode, I had like little biographies of like this director. They were more violent. This director preferred this. Jules White's more violent. Okay. Edward Burns. Edward Burns. Yeah, he's he's considered one of the good ones. Mm. Although he's not that good. <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah. He also did Queen of Outer Space with Zsa Zsa Gabor. Mm, so okay. an incredible body of work. I love Edward Burns. And this movie, I mean, what do you need to know about it? You got uh, Slip and Mahoney. Those are the two characters mm-hmm. played by Hans Hall and Leo Gorsi. Why did I even met, say that? They, it's Hans Hall and Leo Gorsi. When you said their names, I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard the Bowery Boys name because you just call them Hunt Hall and Leo Gorsi every time we talk about them. Folks, longtime listeners, do you remember when we did a Poverty Row episode mm. a long time ago? Like it was in the 90s, I think. <laughs> Like num- uh, number 90. Not, we have not been doing this for no. 25 years. Num- number 90. We watched Ghost Chasers and mm. we were like, this is fucking shit. Yeah. How are these guys popular? Well, now I love the Bowery Boys. Yeah. They haven't gotten better. No, they haven't gotten any better. Or yeah. one would argue technically funnier. But, but I love a them. smile on your face. Right? <laughs> and and this is the one to watch if you watch any of them. Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters. There's a robot. Ooh. There's a gorilla. Uh-huh. Is there a Frankenstein? I can't remember. Is there some like Abbott and Costello like shtick where they like, you know, secret walls and stuff like oh, that? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ton of that shit. It's in a haunted house. They end up in a haunted it. house. Justin, you gotta watch this movie. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it. I definitely gotta check this you out. Should. You would enjoy this movie. So I have a new release from Arrow Films here. And this is one that is interesting interesting for a couple of reasons. It's called The Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch. And oftentimes when I see these titles that Arrow puts out, I'm like, have I seen this Japanese one? <laughs> like, they all kind of blend together. This one is great for uh, the reason that I had not seen it. It is a gothic horror film about a young girl who goes and lives with her parents after being in, an orphan for a long time. Something weird's going on. Mm-hmm. Her sibling, is she a snake woman? Which is illustrated by like horrifying special effects where like her mouth is open and she has like snake teeth and she has these like Dali-esque uh, dreams where like these snake people come after. Also, there may be a silver haired like witch lady that lives in the attic and is killing people. But what's really cool about this is that like this is the only other film, I believe with English subtitles, directed by the guy who did all of the gamma films. Oh. This was his only like attempt at a non gamma picture that got like a wide release. So that's cool. It even has a David Callick commentary track. The guy that's like the king of Godzilla stuff because he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, highly right. Really short too. It was only made because they needed a B picture from one of their yokai movies. So they're like, all right, let's make this really fast. Who's available? This guy, let's get him in there. And you can feel it's a passion project because like he never got any other opportunity other than this one. 
Finally, I'm going to recommend a movie by one of the great auteurs, Mr. Bill Rubain. <laughs> Wait, who's Bill Rubain? Bill Rubain is a Wisconsin-based filmmaker. He made such films as The Giant Spider Invasion, Rana, The Legend of... Uh, Shadow Lake. Shadow Lake, that was mm-hmm. it. Uh, Monster of Goko, mm-hmm. who could forget that one. Giant Spider Invasion is his Citizen Kane, obviously. <laughs> and he's still alive. Yeah, and ooh, do not go to his blog, I would say. I'm not crazy about his politics, but, no. but that's okay. What I care about is the art. And mm. as an artist, he's... Uh, in a league of his own and one of his most unusual films is 1987's blood harvest and what's good about this one is that tiny tim is in it tiny tim himself that's right he's a tiny fellow right folks does that name mean anything to you tiny tim (laughs) no probably not he was a novelty singer who uh he was not tiny actually he was quite tall yes and he would sing in a falsetto and when he got married on the tonight show 40 million people watched it he was huge. And Bill Urbane said that he would go to like shows and people would go nuts for him. Jerry Lewis nuts. Okay. Imagine though, you're in rural Wisconsin, wherever the hell Bill Urbane lives mm. and you're making a movie and you've got a big star and it could be Alan Hale Jr. In mm. Giant Spider Invasion <laughs> or it could be Tiny Tim. Think how excited people would have been. They oh, ne- so excited. Hollywood never came to <laughs> no. rural Wisconsin or wherever never. that was. Anyway, this movie, it has a plot. You know, a woman comes back to her rural hometown. She has a new boyfriend. Finds out her parents are missing. Her friends keep disappearing one by one. Uh, ah, who cares? All that matters is Tiny Tim, horrifying looking in clown makeup. He has an amazing screen presence. What's also unusual about this movie, a lot more gore and nudity than the typical Bill Rubain. Well, Bill Rubain was very uncomfortable with that stuff. He has a religious bent to him, if you will. Well, I mean, all that matters is what's up there on the screen. (laughs) Very disturbing and off kilter. I mean, Arrow put out a box set of Bill Rubain films, and they're not like the big hits. Like, it doesn't have the giant spider invasion. Mm -hmm. It has the other ones, and what you want is kind of like that murder drone feeling mm. a kind of we've talked about this before Stephen Thrower is a big fan of it of like that like hazy like right on the edge of falling asleep filmmaking and also just like Bill Rebane his movies don't like they're aping Hollywood movies they want to mm-hmm. they want to sell like Hollywood movies but they are rural productions they're Absolutely. regional productions yeah. they they just don't have the the polish and that's what's beautiful about them so finally I want to go classy with my last movie and I'm talking about Edgar Allan Poe's Haunting Fear wait is that the Roger Corman film that has a similar title no 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 I'm speaking of, of course, the Fred Olin Ray film from the 90s. <laughs> you know, I came close to recommending Evil to, No, no, uh, no, Evil Spawn. Evil Spawn. Just because I watched it recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Haunting Fear is actually probably, in my opinion, one of Fred Olin Ray's most accomplished films. It's serious. It's not like goofy or like winking at the audience. And it stars Brink Stevens in... Essentially, I said it's Fred Olin Ray's Repulsion. Take that as you will, <laughs> if you know Fred Olin It's Ray. probably better. Yeah. <laughs> And what's great about it, I mean, it has a cast. It's uh, Brink Stevens, Karen Black, John Michael Vincent, probably in a chair most of the time and drunk. Okay, some years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I saw Karen Black do a one-woman show in Toronto. Mm-hmm. She was, And then afterwards, she was interviewed on stage by Bruce LaBruce. Bruce LaBruce mentioned Trilogy of Terror, I think it was, mm-hmm. that she was in. She said, you know, I always kind of regretted doing that movie because it kind of put me on a path to doing a lot of horror movies. <laughs> like Haunting Fear? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that was an exception. I'm sure she loved working with Fred Olin Ray. I mean, this uh, back copy was clearly written by Fred Olin Ray because it says, Michael Berryman, obviously, Hills Have Eyes, Robert Quarry, Count Yorga Vampire, Robert Clark, Man from Planet X. <laughs> of course, that's just for me and Will. When we he, see that, we're like, hey, Robert Clark from Man from Planet X. Yeah, hey, he, you know, Fred's right. I know who that is. 
<laughs> and Haunting Fear is also, it was always kind of like fuzzy in VHS, but Fred just put it out on his label, Retromedia, in a brand new scan of the picture. It comes as a collectible trading card, which shakes in the case. Not a big fan of that, but obviously a new audio commentary. I'm not a fan of that shaking in the case either, because you order from Retromedia, you get them and you think, oh, oh no, the, the disc is the, the disc is loose. It's got scratched. And it also has, of course, most importantly, signed by someone. I didn't even know this until I just looked at the back. Break Stevens signed the back of this. Oh, goodness. I just got that collection he put out of that TV show, which, does she host it, I think? Oh, I don't know what it's called. Okay, hang on. I'll come back next week and tell you what it is. <laughs> yes. I just, I just, and it's signed by her. I love that Make Flicks uh, website, because it's like, basically, Jared Bookwalter, who I'm a big fan of already, but I'm going to be honest, I already own every Blu-ray he's put out of the movie he's directed, just partnered with Farrell and Ray, and now I don't have to order through Amazon.com, which used to be the only place to get retro media releases, and they're popping up there. They got Evil Tune scalps, all the collection of uh, Fertile and Ray you stuff. Want, you want to know how you've influenced me over the years? Oh, no. I have those movies too now. <laughs> Happy Halloween! <laughs> <laughs>